what up world your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and now also on youtube our goal is to get a thousand subscriptions on YouTube by Halloween. Thousand subscribers on, on YouTube by Halloween. We are pushing up towards seven hundred. Uh, we've been doing this since basically the beginning of the month, since the beginning of October. We're we're getting close. We're 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 less than two weeks away from Halloween. So if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, do me a favor, support the show. Go to go to YouTube right now and subscribe to the show, and then tell a friend to do the same. Uh, it would really help out, and I would truly truly appreciate it. Today's episode. It's also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show answering listener submitted questions all episode long. There are two ways to get involved if you want to do it. You can just tweet at me whenever you're thinking of it. Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. It helps if you tag it as Mailbag Monday in some way or just let me know that it's a question for the show. Or you can watch my Twitter feed on typically Monday mornings when, when we host this show, usually depending on the schedule of the Blazer season. But I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to that show or you respond to that tweet rather and I will do my best to get you in that show or a future show. I save mailbag questions. Uh, sometimes I just kick them down down the, the road a little bit and answer them in a following show. So if you if you want to you don't fret if you're uh, if your question doesn't get in the show if you're not a twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet you can email me locked on at gmail.com is the address that's locked on at gmail.com those are the two ways to do it like i said we do this every single week uh it's a ton of fun neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears so let's get into it first question comes from jamal who asks what is the wisdom in making changes to the second rank offense in the league? This is kind of the theme of today's show in many ways. Um, people have seen changes in preseason. Fans, you, dear listeners, your fellow fans, fellow listeners, have seen changes in the preseason. And people are worried, like, is this a good idea? Is change worth it? Um, you know, the Blazers were pretty good last year, and they're trying to do a bunch of new stuff, and they look kind of bad in preseason. Not even kind of bad. Regular bad. Just just full-on bad. Offense looks bad. Defense looks bad. They basically played one promising half. I thought the first half against the Golden State Warriors in the fourth preseason game, they looked pretty good. Um, I, I don't think they looked like a good basketball team, but for the first time all preseason, they looked much closer closer to a good basketball team like in the direction of a good basketball team and then they just they didn't they didn't have enough healthy guys no Larry Nance no Damian Lillard no um Larry Nance get billing before Dame no Dame no Larry Nance no uh Cody Zeller you know it was just they were shorthanded and and they it, when they went to the bench it was immediately clear how limited the Blazers depth is no Nazir Little in that game either so um like yeah, I, I think the in, in general, there's reason to be concerned. But the wisdom in, to answer Jamal's question, uh, the wisdom in making changes to the second-ranked offense is that the Blazers' offense w- has been very, very good, but perhaps not sustainable because it's so ISO-heavy. And then when you get into high-leverage games or against really good teams, it's easier to take away what they do because you kind of just, you know they're going to run high pick-and-rolls with Dame, and if that doesn't work, you know, it's maybe one pass to the opposite side. Okay, CJ, you try. Um, the idea is to open up more stuff with with more passing with more you know leveraging their playmaking bigs to open up more stuff leveraging uh you know their other play, leveraging you know more off ball actions for Damon CJ to make the defense sort of have to bend in a different way uh I actually think I'm not worried about the offense because if if the sort of approach doesn't work where they're going to try to spread the floor and and back cut and sort of read and react off cuts they can just go back to what they do like it's it's easier to kind of fall back on bat on these bad habits I think it's there's real value in um developing better ones and 
being a better passing team and having more variety on offense and all those things. Like, I think there's real value to be had in changing up the offense. The idea is that the Blazers can be really good in the regular season with the offense that they've always run, but to take that next step, they might need to add a few, add a couple more layers and be a little more versatile on offense to be able to adapt to high-level teams, something they have not done particularly well over the last few years, where when they've run against the really good sort of playoff-level, championship-level teams, I mean, everyone struggles against those, but the Blazers for sure, that they've just looked totally, totally overmatched, and their strength was their offense the regular season is no longer a strength when you get to the playoffs. So that's that's the logic behind it. But Jamal, you are not alone in worrying about the Blazers. In fact, Jacob G. on Hawthorne writes, is, is Chauncey Billups' defensive scheme bad? It seems like the aggressive pick-and-roll defense usually requires a help defender, but then no one helps the help, so there's constantly a wide-open three waiting on the perimeter. Lovebug Starsky at De La Sol Uno on Twitter asks, do you have faith in defensive scheme? Have you seen it work all of preseason? And Adam sent me a long email that basically boils down to, can this be fixed? And yeah, this is more sort of doom and gloom from the preseason. Admittedly, they looked bad and the defense really looks bad. Um, but the scheme stuff, I probably disagree with. Um, you know, they were bad last year with Terry Stotts' scheme and everyone, not everyone, but many, 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 many people were convinced that it was a scheme thing and it was a coaching thing and that the coach was so stupid that he couldn't figure this out and that a good defensive team was being turned into, or at least a mediocre defensive team was being turned into the worst defense in the league and one of the worst defenses of all time. Um, and that was stupid then and this is stupid now, y'all. It's players play. In fact, changing up the defensive plan is, it, it's, I, I think it's a good idea because, and I'll get to that in a second, but like, you can only do so much with coaching. You have the talent you have, and the Blazers don't have a ton of really high-level defensive talent, and if they're going to play Damon, CJ, and Norm a whole bunch of minutes together, there is a cap on how good of a defensive team they can be. There's a reason to believe that they can raise their ceiling and become something like the league average defensive team, but they're they're very likely to be, even if things work out, to be a below-average defensive team, which it will read like bad. But let's get to the scheme stuff. Let's, let's just like dive in a little deeper on the scheme stuff. Um, a lot of what is being made of how they're guarding at the point of attack, and that's a problem because they're just not slowing down the ball very well. But a lot of it is obsessing over what the big man does in pick and rolls. And to me, that's that's important because you're asking Nurk to be up high or Cody Zeller to be up high a little bit and then and then sprint back and recover. But it's it's the in-between moments where the Blazers are struggling. It's when the guy rolls to the rim or when someone or when the ball goes to one side and they load up, you have to they want to swing over and help and be aggressive in that help. And then you got to help the backside, and when the ball swings again, you got to you got to help again. And it's help it's helping the helper. It's that it's that second help. It's not it's not the first rotation. It's the backside rotation off of that. And then when the ball swings, um, the Blazers have just been terrible at recovering. They're just they're just bad at it. They're not good at it right now. Um, there's reason to believe they can get better. Plenty of teams play this style of defense and are successful, are more aggressive. But personnel is always going to be what helps. Plenty of teams like the the Milwaukee Bucks, an elite defensive team, played a ton of drop coverage, and they're really good at it because they had players that could really execute it. Players are always the most important. I don't think Billups' scheme is bad. Um, I think it's challenging for the Blazers and to hear Billups talk about it, I've read a story from Jason Quick in The Athletic where he kind of admitted that there's going to be some growing pains here. And I worry that the growing pains are going to... 
that's like a pretty tough trade-off early in the season. If this team kind of struggles, you know, first 10 games out of the gate and they're like, you know, four and six or worse, like that's going to feel really bad. And it's going to get very, the panic is going to get very loud. But the idea is that the, that the scheme will, that they believe in the scheme that can continue to get guys to buy in and that it isn't so much as fixing. It's just getting everyone to be a little bit better at it. And if people understand the system, buy into their roles and are in the right spots, then it'll cover up for some stuff and it'll utilize what they what they haven't done in the past it'll 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 emphasize more, turning the ball over more and letting them get out and run they're they've been a terrible transition team i'm not sure damian lillard teams are ever going to be high transition teams it's just not how he likes to play but they could turn the ball over a whole bunch more um or they could force turnovers a whole bunch more <laughs> they could probably turn the ball over too um they could force turnovers at a much higher rate. And this this defensive scheme with more aggressive help where guys are coming, you know, from all the way to the other side of the rim to 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 load up and show bodies and keep people out of the paint and 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 uh, you know, tag the roller on pick and rolls and, and just like and generally be more aggressive in their help defense, be more attentive in their help defense. You got more people in the passing lanes and it can you and it can emphasize a thing that they've struggled in the past and they can force more more turnovers. Here's the way I think of it. Last year they gave up a ton of threes and a ton of looks at the rim and they forced zero turnovers. If they this year, if they're very similar and they give up a ton of good looks at three and a ton of looks at the rim, but they force some turnovers. That's a reasonable trade-off. That would be why you you say, well, our de- defensive personnel can't make us good, but a scheme change is worth it. That would be that would be why the change is there, or why the change is valuable. And I, I I believe in the scheme. I just like we we just have to admit the personnel is the most important part. I think we all we all got to admit it. I've been trying to preach it for like a year, but um maybe we'll get on board here before the season starts. We've got a day. We've got one day. Um, so maybe you join me at some point this season. Next question comes from also Mike who asks, you've mentioned that we, that's capital W-E for a collective pronoun, shout out to also Mike, need a true point of attack defender who can guard elite wings to take us to the next level. Other than a Ben Simmons type trade, what is our best chance for getting a guy like that on our team? Do you think any of Nazir Little, Norman Powell, Larry Nance Jr., Robert Covington could possibly develop into an elite on-ball defender? Uh, you know, the 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 one with the most, I guess, like, the bigger, the best chance to do that is probably Nazir Little because he's the, like, um, he's the sort of, like, most undeveloped of those players, the, the, the you know, the, the sort of softest lump of clay that you could mold into a really elite defender. Um, he doesn't look like that will be what he is this season. He might end up being a, a pretty good defender, but he doesn't look um, like an elite on ball stopper this season. That's a lot to ask of a guy who hasn't played a lot of minutes. Norm isn't really that like, that's just not what he is. And he's, and he's, you know, been in the league a long time. He would be there. Uh, Robert Covington is, that is not what he's good at. He has slow feet and fast hands. You want him in the help position because you want his timing and his incredible hands to be in the way. And Larry Nance Jr. is a better help defender, but I think he's your best bet. Um, I, and that's, I think that's a little bit dicey for the Blazers. I want to see Larry Nance and Rocco play together at the forwards next to Nurk because I want to give Larry Nance that shot. I think he's your best chance. Um, I think he's your best solution for that point of attack defender. Uh, Norm isn't terrible at it, but he's not good at it. Like, I think he's like something like like slightly below average on defense is what I would grade him at. Um, I think he's a little bit overrated in, in general by Blazer fans as a defender. He's an offensive player. That's what he's really good at. Um yeah, and Covington just isn't that isn't his skill set. So I guess there's some hope for Little and there's some hope for Nance, but this team just doesn't have it. It's just like a skill set they don't necessarily have. All right, let's come back in the second segment, answer more of your questions on this glorious, glorious mailbag Monday. But first, let me tell you about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete just like me or someone trying to make it through the day tension free, Theragun can help. 
Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of daily life, there's no substitute for that Theragun Gen 4. Plus, it has an OLED screen and a cool futuristic design that makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. So get with the future. Go to their website. Check it out. See, see what future might look in, like in your hands. Plus, Theragun has a great app, a great mobile app that learns from your behaviors. So it'll suggest guided routines to make Theragun work better for you the more you use it. So try Theragun today for 30 days, starting at only $199. To do that, you can go to therabody.com slash locked on right now, and you will get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on all right let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag monday shall we our very next question comes from dustin at high flyer me 70 it's mellow but me 70 because it's uh, alphanumeric there high flyer me 70 asks With Larry Nance Jr.'s underrated passing, a full season of Norman Powell, and hopefully if CJ can get back to playing like he was pre-foot injury, shooting a zillion threes per game, what are your realistic expectations for the Dameless minutes? And how many minutes per game do you realistically think Damian Lillard will sit? Uh, Dameless minutes, for those of you who are new listeners, welcome. I'm really happy to have you aboard. It's a fun podcast, and I'm I'm grateful that you're taking time to listen. but if you're new to this or you forgot what this was, uh, Dameless Minutes was the thing I was tracking was like when Nurk and CJ were out, the minutes the Blazers played without Damian Lillard. But it matters all the time. Like it matters even in the minutes when the, the when the roster's healthy because um, they've typically not been very good when <laughs> when Dame sits. That's like a trend. Um, it's, it's some of the reason why the argument is to keep Dame and CJ's minutes together because they're already bad when it's just CJ. So you might as well maximize those two on the floor at the same time to be absolutely as good as possible. That's, that's some of the sort of, uh, some of the high level math people are doing there, um, high level mathematical gymnastics doing there. It might, it might be worth a shot. I'm not against it necessarily. Um, but yeah, let's let's answer these in reverse. Um, I think Dame is going to play 34 minutes a night, so he's going to sit 14 minutes a night, seven minutes in each half. Um, I think that's a reasonable number for stars. I think 32 would be ideal, but um, you know, pushing him down below 32 is you're getting into a range where you the Blazers just don't have the luxury. They're just not that good. The way that you play Dame less is is. Um, win games so you can take him out early, you know, win easily, win handily so you can take him out early. I don't think it's like juice his minutes sitting on the bench because quite frankly, those dameless minutes have been a nightmare. But I do think the Blazers have a chance to with uh, have a better have more depth, have more and better depth this year. Um, it's it the depth is thin, like even the depth doesn't have much depth. There's but I'm a believer in the Blazers top top seven or eight. Like I think Larry Nance Jr. And, and Cody Zeller are good bench players. I think Ambry Simons has a chance to turn into this year, like a good bench player. I'm not sure he's been that in the past. He's a really good shooter, but um, I think his sort of a lack of other skills and defensive shortcomings have made him just like only a good shooter and maybe not a, 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 a like legit bench substitute. And I think Nazir Little can take a step forward. Like I think he can be an NBA, like has a chance to prove he's an NBA player. And if Tony Snell's ever healthy, I think he's like a something like a borderline uh, 
borderline uh, contributor to that could be like a net positive. But I like I really think the starting group and and Larry Nance particularly those six guys like that's a good that's a good top six. So if you can stagger some sort of version where it's Nance and Norm on um on that second unit together, I think you can have you can carve out some positive minutes when Dame's on the bench. I don't think this is like a really elite elite depth um, but I do think this is better depth in general than they've had uh, at least since the 2019 season when they made the Western Conference Finals um, it's they maybe don't have as many shapes as they had that year they could play a couple different sizes because of what Zach Collins could do at the four and the five but um yeah, I, I I think Dame sits about 14 minutes, and I think like the high end is that the Blazers are a slightly above average bench unit. Like I think that's that's like a reasonable that's a reasonable guess. And if if they have an above average bench unit, like if they're like right around like zero or slightly positive in terms of like um, you know whatever point differential, they're the Blazers are going to be really good. They're going to win something like 50 games if they're if they're there. If they're not, the first unit's going to have to carry them. Dame's going to have to play more minutes and and it all gets dicey from there. Next question comes from Ethan at Ethan M8 on Twitter, or maybe Ethan Mate, if you want to read that as alphanumeric, um, who asks, if the Blazers start off poorly, something like 12 and 18 or something putrid like that, what happens? Does Neil sit on his hands and hope Dame doesn't ask out at the end of the season? Or does someone become an instantly tradable piece and attempt to right the ship? Uh, listener Blue had a similar question to this, kind of like what's what happens if the Blazers start really bad? Um, kind of like what, 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 what dominoes fall? And I think this is a good question because, um, you know, the Blazers haven't looked good in preseason. So the chances that they start out strong seem unlikely it's, you know, it's equally likely that they're pretty good coming, coming out of here. Cause I think preseason with how, how many guys played and how many guys didn't play and all those things, like maybe not a particularly good indicator of how, of, of success moving forward. But like, um, yeah, like I, I think it's safe to to say that there's going to be some bumps early in the season as this team kind of figures out the new system defensively and offensively as as they introduce guys back as new t- as new groups who haven't played together like at all other than in in the practice facility get out there and run a lot more. Blazers just haven't they haven't played like a full rotation yet. We haven't seen them play a real game. Um and they chose not to do that by resting their guys and and um, it might be wise because you, you know, you only have so many miles and using them in exhibition games might not be worth it. But yeah, I think there's a reason to believe that they might start slow. And if they start slow, then you get to Ethan and Blue's concern. It's like, what's next? One of the problems here with the idea that like someone becomes tradable is the idea that CJ McCollum will suddenly have this, have any different trade value than he's had. Um, if the Blazers could flip CJ for an all-star, a one-to-one type of borderline all-star, like someone with similar productivity, they probably would have already done it. But he's, he makes a bunch of money. He is, and then that like both works in that you have to find a trade partner. And is it worth it to pay CJ McCollum a hundred million dollars over the next three seasons? If you're another team and, and it, what are your goals? And he, and he's a little bit older, so he doesn't work for, um, you know, he's 30 years old. So he doesn't work for like a true rebuilding team because like by the time you get there in two, three seasons, CJ McCollum has entered free agency and he's 33 years old. So he's not an ideal trade piece. Um, I'm not sure that Yusuf, like Yusuf Nurkic is tradable, but he's entering free agency. So what you're trading is like the right to trade Nurk. And if you trade Nurk, you need another starting center or you're trusting Cody Zeller and you're really, really thin front line to step into that uh, space. So you kind of got to, you need another big in the trade back anyways, just because of, for depth reasons, even if they're a non-starter, even if they're, or not a starter, I think is the, the right phrasing there. So 
Um, yeah, like I think there will be, I think there will be urgency this year that if they start out poorly that you got, you mix it up because you didn't mix it up too much in the summertime. So you might as well give it a try here. Uh, for the most part, Neil Olshay has been really good or pretty darn good at making minor in-season trades, competent minor in-season trades to make the team better. It's what is, it's probably his best skill as a GM is recognizing what's wrong with a roster he built and told us was really good at media day and coming to mid-season and making a smart move to make the team better. Like he's mostly done that very well, other than Aaron Aflalo, who we all thought at the time was a really good acquisition. So, um... Yeah, I, I I don't think like I think yes, there'll be urgency to trade someone, but I don't but I think the limiting factor here is the Blazers sort of trade assets more on that in a little bit. Scott at Scott PTB thirty asks, Will fire Nurk will hashtag fire Nurk's paint touches be the next hashtag fire stots? Nurk's defense and passing is so valuable for the ceiling of this team, but he's twenty seven. The ship has sailed on him making layups, right? Yeah, I mean, he could get a little bit better because he could maybe be a little more patient. But yes, he's a bad finisher. It's who he's going to be. Uh, I saw people during the last preseason game freaking out about him making lay- missing layups. And it's like, where y'all been? He's one of the, He was one of the worst finishers in the league last year. He's been this way. Um, some some of it is him rushing. He just, he could take, um, like he could do like real, like sort of physical high school basketball type jump stops and maybe be a little more effective in the paint because he can get his feet rushed under him and stuff like that. And he bowls people over when he could um, take smarter, more like concerted, slower steps and remember that he's gigantic and that if he slows down, he's still going to be seven feet, 300 pounds. But um, some of it is just skill and he's not good at finishing and that's who he is. And it's, it's better to admit what it's better to recognize guys weaknesses and then try to figure out the micro skills that would complement them and how to best utilize them than to scream at Yusuf Nurkic for missing layups. Like that's going to fix it. Um, I'm not saying that like he he's, um, a lot, like I'm not saying he can't improve at all. He's very bad at it. He can easily improve a small amount, but the idea that he's going to be this like elite finisher and like grow into that at this stage in his career seems very unlikely to me. He is what he is. The next question comes from Dan, Dan Fister at Mr. D Fister on Twitter, who asks, do you have a sense of what, if any assignments the assistant coaches have? We've heard a bit about Roy Rogers instituting the defense, but what about the others? You know, I don't. This is a good good question because I'm I'm going to be around the team a couple games this week. Uh, I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be able to be in the arena and ask guys questions. They don't make assistant coaches available, and um, they have made the sort of wandering around and and like chit chatting behind the scenes stuff that you could do pre COVID. Even now, um, you just can't the way media access works. Can't go in the locker room yet, which is a great place to just kind of like have a, Hey, I have a quick question. It's all formal interviews, which make that stuff harder. But, um, Dan, this is a good, this is a good question. Um, so I will, I will try to get clarity from Chauncey Billups. Um, (laughs) if the pregame is televised, uh, (laughs) <laughs> maybe watch the pregame because I will I will ask those questions and you will get to watch Chauncey answer it. Then you can beat me to the punch in hearing what he says, or at least you can experience it with me. Uh, because there aren't there just aren't really for the way it's going to work for me. There aren't really um, sort of little behind the scenes moments to get these things clarified the way there there once were. And frankly, I miss it. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out this episode of Mailbag Monday. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's football season, y'all. As I'm recording this, Monday Night Football is wrapping up. But that means that 
Thursday night football is just a few days away, and then a whole weekend of college and pro football are right back at it. It is football season, and the number one spot to bet on all in pro and college football is betonline.ag. And if you head on over to their website right now, right this very second, as you are hearing my voice, and use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So if you are a new customer, you can go to betonline.ag on your mobile phone or on your computer. They've recently updated their interface, updated their website, so it's cleaner and easier to use. You go there right now. You make your first deposit. When you're making that first deposit, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. They will match half of your first deposit. So why not take advantage of this great offer? You don't have to bet on football. There's also, uh, you know, baseball and and boxing and, and other combat sports. And, and there's even your favorite casino game. So head on over to betonline.ag right now. BetOnline, where the games begin. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com the place where you can save time and money when you're shopping for auto parts. Why spend a choo- why choose to spend 30, 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from the chain uh, chain auto parts dealer or the dealership? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com right now, which the family business that's been serving the do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are always reliably low for every customer. So, they don't have a special section just for mechanics. They're cheap for mechanics and they're cheap for the do-it-yourselfers, the folks working in their front yard or in their driveway on their cars. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find a solution for your auto part needs. That's rockauto.com. You can visit it right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still cruising through Mailbag Monday. Quick reminder before we close out the show, subscribe to the YouTube page. We're getting to 1,000 by Halloween. 1,000 by Halloween. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can get on board. We're pushing towards about 700. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, we're past 700. But we're not at 1,000 yet. Um, unless you're listening to this a little later. These podcasts are free and available forever. But Get on board. Do it now. Go to YouTube.com. Subscribe to Lockdown Blazers. All right. More questions. Let's get into it. This next one comes from William Schopener at Will Schopener on Twitter, who asks, how would you have handled building out the roster with the guys at the end of the bench? Um, there's been a lot of hemming and hawing about players that <laughs> players that maybe people shouldn't worry about too much. A lot of people are up in arms about CJLB chill. He's a second round pick. Most of those people are not good. It's not a surprise. The Blazers have had um, outsized success uh, finding finding second round, pl- NBA, second round picks who are NBA players. They've been very, very good at it. CJ Ellaby might not be one of those. That's a typical experience for people in his spot. But there's also like, you know, people are mad that Kelgen Blevins is getting a nepotism spot and um, it's, it's all weird. But I've been tasked by Will to kind of uh, what I would do to explain what I would do with this with the um, with the end of the bench spots. I would have used the. I mean, let's just assume that I can't get rid of Kelgen Blevins because I still work for a team that his cousin is the franchise player on. So that two way spot doesn't work. In a perfect world, you would use that two way spot on on uh, another big. But I'm okay with Dennis Smith Jr. as your 14th roster spot. I think you need they, the Blazers could use another guard. They could use, I mean, they could use another guard who can handle. Like that matters. Um, they could probably just use another guard. Period. But another guard who could handle, um, and that that helps. Another point guard helps. Like if you're if you 
you have many, 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 many more gentlemen who can fill in as a two and a lot less guys who can fill in as the one. So I like Dennis Smith Jr. And I just like the the concept of backup point guard. Great. But I would not have kept the 15th roster spot open. The Blazers today and Forbes.com were valued at over $2 billion. Uh, that's just a valuation. That doesn't even account for the money at the Allen Estate. We need to... the. Let me just say this. I, as a host of this show, will never argue for billionaires saving money on luxury taxes for the frivolity that they own that is a basketball team or sports team. That's nonsense. That's for someone else. I don't care about their money. Give it away. Make the team as good as possible. Fans want to win. So the billionaires should spend their money. For the most part, 99.99999% of people who are rooting for the Trailblazers are not billionaires. So we will never experience what that wealth is. So spend it, spend it, spend it. Who cares? Do not leave the 15th roster spot open for fake, um, uh, whatever, flexibility because you're just saving luxury tax money. Spend the money. So I would sign another big, I would sign another uh, big man with that, with that space. Um, Probably a probably a true center, just because um, it's Nurk and Zeller is it you you might need some some insurance there. But if it's like a four, and so you play Larry Nance at a bunch of minutes at center, that's fine too. But a big like someone taller than six foot ten on the roster, that's who they need. Um, it doesn't need to be a really good player, but like an NBA player that you could count on to add there. And those are there are people off the street. Um, you know, there's there's definitely dudes in the G League who are capable of like giving a couple minutes. Uh, you know. I give giving Trenton Watford a, a two-way contract is not is fine. Like I think that's what two-way contracts should be. They should either be for specific depth that you need on your roster or a flyer on a second round undrafted guy who you're like, we thought this guy can play. Let's give him a two-way deal, uh, you know, and see if he pops. And if he pops, we can like turn him into it. We'll convert him into being part of the, the regular NBA team. But um the way I wouldn't do it with the second half of the rotation is I wouldn't cheap out because I wouldn't worry about my luxury taxes. Easy for me to say, cause it's not my money. But, um, if you're rooting for billionaires to save money, me and you are not on the same team and never will be. Next question comes from Arshad Delon, AKA Arshi Darling. I love that AKA, AKA Arshi Darling, Arshad Delon, one, two, three on at Arshad Delon, one, two, three on Twitter, who asks, what do you think the variance for the Blazers seeding is this year? What's the highest and lowest seed you could realistically imagine them ending up with? With love from Sri Lanka. Wow, a shout out to Arshi Darling from Sri Lanka. Uh, we did this a couple of mailbags ago. If you are listening in another country, um, you know, holler at me and I will shout out, um, shout out listeners from all over the globe. I think it's super fun that people follow the Portland Trailblazers from all over the world, including from beautiful Sri Lanka. Never been. I've never been to the whole Asian subcontinent, but I would love to go when uh, global travel is a little bit easier in the world. Uh, I think the Blazers could finish as high as fourth in the West. Um, yeah, I think fourth is probably, maybe even generously like absolute best case scenario third, but I think fourth is more, maybe more realistic what I believe. Fourth and 10th, I think are their kind of their, how far they could go. There's a lot of good teams in the West. If the Blazers have some bad injury luck or um, some other teams don't have bad injury luck, like stay super healthy. Like um, uh, a, a question asked who actually asked the next question is a believer that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be a team that challenges for the, uh, for the playoffs. I've seen people say that Sacramento Kings could be feisty and challenge for the playoffs this year. Uh, the Grizzlies are going to be right there in the back half of the West. And then there's all those uh, like Warriors, Clippers, Mavs who are right in the Blazers range. And if they all finish ahead of the Blazers, you're pushing them back to eighth or ninth already. So yeah, I think it's somewhere like three through 10. Um, I don't think they're going to bottom out and be one of the truly bad teams because Houston and OKC are going to, aggressively pursue being bad. But, um, yeah, I think, 
and I, I think San Antonio is pretty bad too. I don't think the Blazers will ca- catch them, but they're they'll be they'll be annoyingly decent because they're San Antonio for a long time. Uh, despite their sort of lack of talent, they're going to finish something like 13th in the West. So yeah, I think I think four and ten is the kind of the polls. Next question comes from Casey Anderson, Wolves believer at Lease Def on Twitter who asks, it seems like the team wants Anthony Simons to prove himself this year. Do you think it's likely he is dealt at the deadline or will they give him a full year to play himself firmly into or out of the rotation? I kind of think Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Simons, Ant is in in some ways the Blazers' most tradable part. Um, You know, he's not super promising by any means. Like he looks like a guy who could play in the NBA for a long time because he can really, really shoot it. Um, And he looked okay in preseason as a guy who could handle the ball a little bit more and take on more of those um more of 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 that role but like a bunch of players from his draft class got big extensions and he wasn't even mentioned or considered really like i'm sure him his agent and and neil olshay talked about it but uh ant hasn't done anything to get a big money paycheck and so i don't think he has like particularly high trade value but remember that luxury tax i just talked about if you trade amfrey simons and get back a minimum salary guy uh, you could conceivably, and maybe if you include some other parts to make it work, you could conceivably duck the luxury tax this year. So I think there is a small part of the Blazers that if that might try to dump Ant if it doesn't work out. The problem is Ant, you're pay, you are trading for the right to pay Anthony Simons. You would get his bird rights. Who'd become a restricted free agent? You could pay him in restricted free agency if you're trading for him. So an, another team isn't trading for like several years of Ant. They're trading for the right to believe in Ant, and I don't think that is super appealing. So. I, if I had to guess, uh, Casey, I would say that, that, that Ant plays out, um, his contract, but I do think in terms of like when you're getting up against it, Ant is the most likely piece to be moved because someone can talk themselves into a young, a 22 year old, um, who shot 43% from three last year on, on relatively good volume. Like that's, that's the easy thing to talk yourself into. I mean, you could, if you give him the right role, he's really valuable. The Blazers just, um, they don't, they don't have the right roster to give them the right role. And they're really, they've been stubborn about what that role might be, quite frankly. Our next question comes from Alex at AALax1 on Twitter, who asks, if you could dunk the ball, what current or former player would you dunk on? Shane Battier and Jay Williams, without a doubt. I'd like to cram all over Shane Battier and I would like to, um, I would like to full East Bay dunk or like um, that old, like the back scratcher where you like put it, you know, two hands behind your head, let it touch your back and, and dunk on Jay Will. I like to give him that, um, the full poster, uh, go Tar Heels. Next question comes from Chalupa Dad times two at Chalupa Dad on Twitter, who asks, what's your favorite seasonal scenery to see when traveling to the Moda Center? I have a hard time deciding between the fall colors signaling a new Blazers season and the spring cherry blossoms ushering in the playoffs. Love this question, Chalupa Dad. Love it, love it, love it. Um, So I asked my wife this question, um, and she said that while she loves the cherry blossoms because it signals that you are going to an important game and the, and the weather is warm, that the fall foliage going to a blazer season is a reminder of, uh, of a haven during bad times. You know, during much of the blazer season that the weather here stinks. Um, when, when the times change in November, like it's dark at, at 
445. Um, it's wet. It's cold. Um, it's not yeah, crazy cold, but it's wet and cold. And the, the, the fall trees are a reminder that for a little bit of your evening in the early fall and then the late fall and early winter, you've got a little respite. You've got three hours to watch something you love. So she talked me into fall foliage. But my gut says cherry blossoms. Um, her Also, her argument was by the time you get to spring, there's other stuff that sort of you can pique your interest. You don't just need basketball to kind of um, save your day and your endorphins. So like the cherry blossoms are a signal that like many other opportunities are open, not just basketball. But I, I go cherry blossoms here because it reminds me of walking to some of my favorite sporting events I've ever attended. Uh, the, my first year on the beat, Damon Lord hit a... Uh, Game winner over the Houston Rockets to give the Blazers their first playoff win in 18 years. Uh, I was lucky to be there throughout the 2019 uh, NBA playoffs when the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals and played an epic series against the uh, Denver Nuggets. Like spring, walking across the Moda Center campus or or from where I park, like walking, um, you know, driving in and kind of pulling up under like... Um, uh, pulling up under on, on the campus and then walking to the, to the entrance. Like I love it. I love those spring cherry blossoms. So I, I think both are great. And in my house, we have differing opinions. So I imagine in many other houses across, um, across, across this great pinwheel empire to uh, steal a phrase from, from a certain uh, social media handle, then there's a bunch of people that, that feel differently. So if you, if you prefer, you can, uh, you can tweet at me with the hashtag cherry or the hashtag fall foliage. You don't have to tweet me with hashtags. We don't really do that kind of stuff. I'm just, uh, I, you know, I, your boy loves engagement, I think. So tweet at Lockdown Blazers on Twitter. That is going to do it for the mailbag episode. Um, we do this every week. So if you want to get involved, there are two ways to do it at Mike G. Rich on Twitter and LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Those are the two ways to do it. Like I said, uh, appreciate everyone who's involved. If that, if you listen, write in a question, whatever it is, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. If you're a new listener because the season is starting out, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and also subscribe wherever you already get podcasts. And if your friends are asking about it because basketball's here, it's here. They're like, hey, what do you what what are your favorite sort of uh, you know channels for for Blazers content? Tell them about Lockdown Blazers. That is the best way to support the show. Tell them about Lockdown Blazers and tell them to subscribe on YouTube and tell them to search us wherever they already get podcasts, and we will be right there waiting for you. Uh, we got a really fun show this week. Hasn't been confirmed yet, so I'm not gonna spoil it here, but could be a really big interview coming later this week really big do not want to miss friday show could be a massive massive interview a whole bunch of fun so don't miss that one uh also the blazers play a basketball game on wednesday night the preseason opener so the next episode you hear will be previewing that game previewing the season a look ahead everything you need to know as the blazers games happen it's here nba tips off tonight and the blazers tip off tomorrow get excited uh, basketball season is upon us. Make sure you're looking at those leaves while you're going to the stadium. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.